0: Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Y'all, we did it. USA 2, Canada 0. Final in the CONCACAF Nations League for the second time. In just the second ever edition of the CONCACAF Nations League, the United States of America, the land of the free, the land of the soccer, have been declared the champions of the CONCACAF Nations League. Once again, this is Xander. I am recording this very informal Xander's Facts podcast just after the final whistle of the United States men's national team, Playing against Canada in the final of the CONCACAF Nations League. We did this for the first time a couple nights ago. Thursday night, Friday morning. Depends on when I actually recorded it. But after that, 3-0 Tres Cerro victory for the U.S. over Mexico in the semifinals. had I just, it spurred the moment. I had to do an instant reaction podcast. So we're doing it again after yet another U.S. victory. We're now 2-for-2 on these. And listen, hopefully it's not as long as the podcast was last time, but we still got a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about last time because there was obviously the game, the red cards, the goals, Greg Burhalter, all that stuff. We could really just focus on the Canada-US final on this instant reaction. And actually, I knew I was going to do this instant reaction podcast. So unlike last time, I was writing down in my notes app on my phone. I wrote down a bunch of notes I had in the game. Just little bullet points, but we're going to talk about this. Oh my gosh, y'all. It is, as I said previously on this podcast, it is an exciting time to be a soccer fan in America. And after what we just witnessed on Sunday, even more so than it was two years ago when we won the CONCACAF Nations League, two weeks ago when Messi announced he's coming to MLS America, Miami. And then, just a couple days ago, when we just beat Mexico as bad as we've ever beaten them. Now we've beaten Canada. We are the undisputed kings of CONCACAF, y'all. 2-0, classic Dos Acero, and it included two first-time goal scorers for the United States. So let's just get into this game, y'all. And if you watched on Paramount Plus or Univision probably noticed the crowd wasn't as, you know, full or as lively as the US-Mexico game was. That was absolutely true. You watched, there were a ton of empty seats because obviously CONCACAF had to put the final in Las Vegas. Two years ago, we had the Nations League final in Denver. Then we had the Gold Cup final in Las Vegas. This year, we have the Gold Cup final in Los Angeles and this Nations League final was in Las Vegas like there are other parts of the country except for the Southwest but CONCACAF knows all the Mexican fans are going to buy tickets and that's what they all want well turned out crappy for them because they performed horribly on Thursday and then of course they're not going to show up for a silly third place match against Canada where they they won 1-0 but they still didn't look very good So that all happened. So there were a ton of empty seats in the game, which obviously isn't a good look for CONCACAF. Like, maybe if they put a match on the East Coast, like, um, I would have gone. Come on, y'all. But anyway, that was totally noticeable, and it's totally CONCACAF's fault, if you're just wondering. So we start the match, you know, nerves are kind of testy. After that Mexico game, it went, gosh, it was physical, aggressive. It was exhausting just watching, not even playing. And I talked about this on the instant reaction pod for the Mexico game. How is this U.S. team going to show up for Canada after their rivals? Mexico is the rivalry. Canada is the new rivalry because Canada was not, Canada's been to two World Cups ever including the world cup that they were just in which was 2022 have never won a game in a world cup they're not a soccer country but over the last few years under their coach john herdman who was the manager of the women's team in canada who has done really well he comes over to the men's team and along with the development of really good players like some of the best in CONCACAF, guys like alfonso davies who is going to be mentioned a lot on this podcast because he is Canada's best player. Some say the best in the region. I mean, I don't know. There's a pulley goat. But Canada, over the last few years, have totally reinvented themselves and have become very a very good team. They didn't win any games in the World Cup, but there were certainly glimpses. And they finished atop of World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. So they claim themselves they were the champions of CONCACAF because they had done that. Obviously, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're first, second, or third in World Cup qualifying. Mexico, US, and Canada, they all got in. Didn't matter what place they were in qualifying. But, um, you know, they didn't get a trophy, but that was what they were calling it. So, this was the match to determine the ultimate kings of CONCACAF. Was it really Canada? They did beat, if you all remember, this was January of 2022, the same day as the NFL Conference Championships, I remember. The U.S. went to Canada and lost 2-0. It was ugly. But, you know, of course, with the U.S., we've won the last two CONCACAF competitions, the Gold Cup and the Nations League, two years ago. So we have the trophies. They have that win, and this made up... Nobody has ever talked about finishing first in World Cup qualifying and saying, we're the champions of CONCACAF. Canada started that whole thing. So this was just kind of to put them in their place. Thankfully, we did. First part of the game, obviously, you're starting to get a feel for it. But there were three major changes the U.S. made from the Mexico game to the Canada game. In the midfield, Weston McKinney obviously got that red card against Mexico. So Brendan Aronson, the Medford Messi himself, started in Weston McKinney's spot. At right back, Sergio Dest got the other red card in the Mexico game. So Joe Scali, who plays for Gladbach in Germany, got the start at right back. And then Miles Robinson, as a center back, got an injury in the Mexico game. And so he did not play. Walker Zimmerman, who started in the World Cup, came in for him alongside Chris Richards on that back line. So there were three major changes. A lot of people thought Luca De La Torre might have gotten the start instead of Aronson in the midfield. But immediately, Aronson, who, you know, we remember in the Premier League last year, he scored that goal, the no-look goal, after he kind of tricked out Edward Mendy at Chelsea in the Chelsea game, the 3-0 Leeds Chelsea game. But for the rest of the season, he just kind of got pushed around. Like, he's, he's kind of a scrawny thing. And, you know, needs to work on his physical play. Almost immediately, I wrote down, Aronson starts physical on my notes. That was the first thing I wrote down because that's what I noticed. He was playing physical in the midfield. I was like, I love this. The U.S. passing was a little sloppy, a bit early. Canada, I think, if they were on their top game, which they were not, may have taken more of an advantage against that, but they really didn't. Balogun, though, I noticed. Remember, Blair and Balogin, the guy who said no to England, no to Nigeria. I'm coming to the United States. Made his first start against Mexico for the U.S. Is he the answer to our number nine problems? You remember our attacking during the World Cup was just, ugh, what's the missing piece? We need a permanent striker. Maybe it's Ricardo Pepe, or maybe it's and Balogun. And let me tell y'all, I think that conversation, do we have a number nine? Do we have a striker? After what I just watched, it's over. We have a number nine striker, and he's 21 years old, and he just scored 21 goals in Lagoon last season, and his name was Flair and Baligan. I wrote Balogun with great footwork in the box that led to a corner. Something I noticed from Flair and Baligan in the Mexico game, he didn't really impact the game on the ball in the Mexico game. But what happened was he was dragging defenders which left a certain man who scored a brace open a lot in the Mexico game and that was Christian Pulisic something Christian Pulisic had all this space in the Mexico game and we really haven't noticed that when he plays for the US but because the defenders for Mexico they had to worry you know usually they just worry about Pulisic now they have to worry about Balogun it's like well what do we do they attached to Balogun they left Pulisic free and so those roles kind of flipped in this game. Pulisic didn't see as much on the ball, but Balogun did. There was further emphasis on playing through Balogun, up top, through the middle. And let me tell you all, some of the footwork that that man was putting on that Canadian back line, which was very shaky through that game, ugh, chef's kiss. But he led, his play led to a corner for the U.S., which were taken in the first half by Giarena who had the highest spot mob score. What was his spot mob score? It was an 8.7. And listen, that man, holy, he only played a half. But, oh my goodness, we have some stuff to talk about in the midfield. So, Reyna takes the corner. It is headed by a man who we kind of mentioned in the Mexico game, Chris Richards, the center back, heads it into the goal in the 12th minute. By the way, those little shaky nerves. I mean, Walker Zimmerman in the eighth minute almost struck from outside the box. Walker Zimmerman, the other center back, almost struck a beauty into the goal. The shaky nerves in the first few minutes totally gave way. U.S. looked dominant from about the fifth minute on, and it leads to this goal. Here's the call from Paramount Plus and CBS from Drake Cordero and Moa Doom. up. into the edge of the six. And it's Chris Richards with the opener. He's been beaming with confidence. And it's dripping out of them now. His first international goal. And the U.S. has the lead in the final. That's right. Chris Richards' first international goal, which came in. A final. He is the first player ever for the U.S. to score his first career goal for the U.S. in a final, and that brings up it came off a corner. If you remember from the World Cup, Christian Pulisic took the corners. I love my pulley goat, but set pieces. And we heard about this during the World Cup that the U.S. had hired a special coach, a specialized coach. Just to work on set pieces. But the set pieces during the World Cup were a huge negative for this team. And immediately, there's a goal off a set piece. And there were eight total corners for the U.S. in that game. Almost all of them were dangerous corners taken. With Reina in the first half, Pulisic took him in the second half, I believe. But I noted. And listen, Greg Berhalter was officially... Reintroduced, I guess, as coach back on Friday for the U.S. He said in his press conference, "Things like set pieces were a real issue during the World Cup that they need to fix." Well, the set pieces that they took—not just corners, but free kicks as well—for the U.S. They looked really good. They looked like they knew what they were doing, and so that ultimately leads to one nil for the U.S. The confidence boost that that gives you scoring first against Canada when they're talking the talk, but so far the US were walking the walk. So then for Canada, you have as I mentioned, maybe their well definitely their best player, one of the best players in CONCACAF and Alfonso Davies who plays for Bayern Munich. He's won since he's been there, he's been a winner. He's won five straight Bundesliga titles, and they've won more consecutively bef- even before he got there. But he came on as a sub against Panama in the semifinal for Canada because he was coming off injury. You could, and I think you could tell that in this game. He started for Canada. Obviously, he was going to. This was the big final. But I noted that he looked a little sloppy early. He was, you know, especially making that run. He started out on the left side. There was one point early in the first half. He started making a run down the left side and just lost the ball out of bounds. Like, that's uncharacteristic he had a bad shot that just went over Davies had a couple of shots that you know usually you would think oh these are really dangerous and they really weren't he just I don't know what was going on but he got actually got moved over to the right in what was it I noted the 30th minute he moved over because Joe Scally was the right back for the U.S. at replacing Sergio Dest I thought he had one or two little heartbeat bumps at the beginning But after that, I thought he did really well against Davies. And so John Herdman, the manager for Canada, said we're going to move him over to the right. Which ultimately made it, I think, that it was noted in the broadcast that after that happened, his name was barely mentioned at all. Like, I don't know what that was for. But little after that, 34th minute, there's a run from Gio Reyna, who, excellent, listen. He was wonderful in the first half when he played to Fuller and Balogan. Here's the call in the 34th minute. If he's able to connect that first pass into midfield, here's space exploit. Driving into space of Balogan on his right! On a night of firsts, Fuller and Balogan has his first international goal for the U.S. And once again, Reyna, the genesis of it. Oh my gosh. Listen, y'all, the buildup to that play, especially by Gio Reina making the run and the through pass that he did. Excellent. And Balogun, there's no keeper in the world who is saving that absolute smash that Balogun put on the goal. I mean, holy cow. And listen, we saw, as I mentioned, after the Mexico game, in the Mexico game, As I said, wasn't on the ball much, but we saw flashes. We didn't just see flashes in the Canada game. We saw the real deal. Like with the footwork, making defenders miss in the box, forcing set pieces, which the U.S. capitalized on, and ultimately finishing that man. Y'all, we have a number nine. It is Balogun. I'm sorry, England. I know the England people say we have Harry Kane. In a few years, you're not going to have Harry Kane, and Flair and Balligan is going to be scoring goals, winning trophies for the U.S. I'm just, I'll, I'll mention that in a minute, but actually, I believe a little earlier, I know that Balogun almost got his first goal. He was trying to head the ball in for a second goal. He got pushed, and it went over, and I noted that because I thought people were going to, you know, give him crap for that, but he kind of got pushed while trying to head it in. Obviously, it didn't matter because ultimately he later scored. But something I noticed with the U.S. that was totally different from what we've seen, as I noticed what we saw in the Mexico game was some of the best play we've seen in a long time from the U.S. men's national team. And something like totally flipped from the game against Canada World Cup qualifying to the game last night was the U.S. was not dominating possession like they usually do. They were kind of letting Canada build up. And Canada didn't really know what to do with that because I thought I think they were, you know, preparing as we're going to counter and attack you that way. You're not the U.S. gave them space and we're like, come on, what are you going to do to us? And I don't Canada, I, we're not prepared for that somehow, some way. And ultimately, they had a couple chances. Matt Turner, keeper, clean those up easily. I mean, what are y'all doing? What are you doing, Mikel Arteta? Why is this man not starting? And later on in the second half, Canada definitely had more chances that came out more aggressive, especially at the end when they were, you know, really, they needed a goal. They were down 2 0. But the back line for the U.S., especially Chris Richards, who scored the goal, I noted that he was there, like, whenever he needed to be there, clearing the ball on tackles. That man, I feel, Chris Richards played amazing too. Like, Gio Reyna assisted on both goals, so he gets man of the match. But second may have been Chris Richards. I mean, he was he was great. Backline for Canada, though, I noted uh, kind of the opposite. It was very shaky. Balogun, I thought, as, you know, a striker probably should, but he was a lot more aggressive up top than even Wea or Pulisic at just you know, attacking the Canadian goalkeeper, Mian Bourgeon, who is 35 years old, but Canada's back line, I think, it, it was pretty dreadful, and Balogun absolutely was taking advantage of it, almost, you know, Bourjon at one point had to make this little sneaky, you know, footwork play, because Balogun was right on him, that easily could have been another goal for Balogun, there was almost an own goal from for Canada, off a header from one of the backline Canada players, off of a Matt Turner goal kick, like they just weren't looking too great against an attack that I think they have not seen. They did not see this kind of attack in the previous U.S.-Canada games in World Cup qualifying. And as I mentioned, even in the midfield, Gio Reyna, who at one point I believe he was described as twinkle toes. Fancy footwork, we saw that. It's nothing new from Gio Reyna. I remember we saw that in World Cup qualifying against Mexico down at Estadio Azteca. One of those matches where he just goes through guys like it's, you know, easy peasy. Listen, Gio and Greg Berhalter, like, get in a room, talk it out. I don't care. This man needs to have a heavy presence on the team. He's incredible. And then, end of the half, Pulisic has a great cross in from a free kick set pieces as i said that was almost a goal so they had two goals in the first half they had at least three more chances for close goals like uh, this was i noted at halftime it was two nil the u.s looked absolutely dominant canada had some chances matt turner obviously didn't crack but the what i noticed and what we continue to notice not just on the field but off for this U.S. team is that their dynamic, their cohesion as a team, as a group, is the best in CONCACAF by far. It is probably, put it up there with one of the best in all of international soccer. These guys know how to play together. They like each other. There was the video of a bunch of the players going out to the golf course and showing Balogun how to play golf. Like. The dynamic between this team and also their talents pretty good, too. But all of these, as we talked about before, the combination of these characteristics of this team makes it really exciting. And I also noted Chris Richards again, he's everywhere he needs to be. But the U.S. had 43 percent possession in that first half. A lot of the analysis was the U.S. is going to hold possession and they're going to attack from there. Canada's going to have their chances on the counter. But they let Canada build up, which they struggled to do. So at halftime, it was 2 0 U.S. They've won; they had won 50 straight games when leading by two-plus goals at the half. Spoiler alert, y'all! That did not end with this game. Gio Reyna got injured at the end of the first half, so Luca De La Torre had to come in. Canada looked a little bit more aggressive. Alfonso Davies—he had a shot in the box, but like it really didn't seem dangerous. It just went over. Again, Florin Balogun with his movement. It It seemed unmatched on the pitch, and he's 21 years old. It looked absolutely insane. Again, much better from set pieces. Chris Richards almost had a second goal from a header, from a corner, I believe. Like, how they've transformed in the past half year for set pieces is absolutely insane because it looked like a totally different team for the World Cup. But Canada did have more aggression, more danger. And as we've talked about a year or two ago, Matt Turner would have folded under that pressure. But now, Matt Turner has so much confidence. There was that one point in the second half where there was a ball. It was near side, right around the corner of the box, away from the goal. The ball's coming in, and Matt Turner just runs out. There's a U.S. player and a Canadian player there. Matt Turner runs out, goes up and grabs it. Like, the confidence that he has is insane. And we talked about how the set pieces were so great for the U S Canada had five corners. They had a couple free kicks that could have been dangerous, but I don't can't, they just looked off like this didn't look like a full strength Canadian team. Obviously the best player, Alfonso Davies, he was not hundred percent. It did not look like that. He wasn't playing as well as he can, but on set pieces, they looked the opposite from the U S they looked like the U S in the world cup. It, it was, it was just poor. Now, You get later and later into the match. It was kind of like the Iran game where, oh boy. If y'all remember that Iran match, the US score, the Pulisic goal, and then we parked the bus. It wasn't that egregious, because obviously we're up 2-0. But we kind of parked the bus at the end, which, you know, you're up 2-0, you normally do. So Canada definitely had more chances. And Jedi Robinson, Anthony Robinson, stepped up. He saved that defense in a couple of occasions. There were chances definitely for Canada to get some goals. I think their expected goals definitely went up at the end of the second half. But he saved them a couple of occasions. Second half was kind of, you know, it was goal fest in the first half. Second half was just, you know, whatever. We're making subs. There were two penalties for time wasting later on in the second half for the U.S. 2-0. U.S. First time winning three straight CONCACAF competitions for the U.S. Nations League two years ago. Gold Cup two years ago. And now the Nations League again. And that settles it, y'all. The undisputed kings of CONCACAF. No more. We finished first in World Cup qualifying. Forget that. You had a chance for a trophy. And you blew it. 2-0. That's Dos Cicero for the U.S. They gave up no goals against... The other two big time teams in CONCACAF, the other two besides the U.S., CONCACAF World Cup teams in last year's World Cup, Canada and Mexico, five nil total. They scored five. They let up none just in both matches. Absolutely dominant performance by the U.S. Canada in that match had 64 percent possession. They did not expect to have anywhere near that kind of possession, but the U.S. let them. And in contrast, totally flipped contrast from the World Cup qualifying loss back in January of 2022 in Canada when the U.S. lost 2-0, and in that match, the U.S. had 64% of the possession. So the same number that Canada had, same scoreline, just flipped. And you know what's that I found also on Twitter from OptiJack at OptiJack. The U.S. is unbeaten in its last 22 matches against Canada on American soil. That is the longest home unbeaten run against any opponent in pro-gram history. But you know what? That Mexico streak just keeps rising. So you know what, y'all? Once again, it may not have been as wild, as chaotic, as... The two years ago, CONCACAF Nations League Final, the one that I like to say really got me into soccer because if you weren't a soccer fan and you actually watched all 130 minutes or whatever of that match and you didn't come away as a major soccer fan and a fan for the U.S., I don't know what's wrong with you. But it wasn't as wild as that. That was, you know, for the Mexico game a couple nights ago. But this game, I think, is just as massive For the U.S. as that Nations League game. Remember where we were as a soccer country five years ago? On a cow pasture in Trinidad and Tobago, we failed to qualify for the World Cup. We had guys like Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard out there. It was, listen, legends, but it was time. One guy out there was Christian Pulisic. What was he? I believe he was was like 18 years old playing in tears when that happened five years ago. At that moment, you know, he was like, this is never going to happen again under my watch. He was captain for these two matches. And let me tell y'all, it did not happen. It did not happen in the Nations League two years ago when this new young group of American soccer stars basically That was their coming out party, the Nations League, last year. It didn't happen for the Gold Cup. You remember, the Gold Cup last year wasn't this group of guys. It was an MLS-heavy roster like it's going to be this year. It was kind of our, you could describe it as our B team or our C team. Didn't happen then. In the World Cup, we got through the group, the hardest group, the group of death, the one with Wales, the one with Iran, the one with England, neither of whom we lost to. England. By the way, we played better than almost just, you know, we're just like centimeters away, Christian Pulisic, from actually winning that game instead of drawing. And now, in this year's edition of the CONCACAF Nations League, just the second ever edition, two years ago was the first ever edition of the tournament, this U.S. group, against a heavily favored Mexican team in Denver, knocks them off, makes... All of them known, their coming out party, and now two years later, they don't just beat Mexico, they destroy Mexico, and then, against the self-proclaimed champions of CONCACAF, they demolish Canada. That game was not close. So, we don't just win the Nations League, we absolutely demolish Canada. The Nations League. Like, can we play in the UEFA Nations League, please? Can we play in common Bowl? Because these were the two best other teams in CONCACAF. And we didn't just beat them, we obliterated them. You know, without for the Canada game, without Serginho Des, without Weston McKinney, for both games, without the captain for the World Cup, Tyler Adams. Like this team not even being at full strength. And introducing guys like Falerin Baligan, who just decided last month to play for the US and not for England. And you know why he chose the US instead of England? Because he knows if he plays for the US, he's gonna win trophies. The UEFA Nations League final was also on Sunday. Spain and Croatia, not England. England didn't even make the final four. England's not winning trophies. The US. Balogun's like, oh, well, the U.S., they can't stop winning trophies. And you say, oh, it's the CONCACAF Nations League. Well, England can't win their Nations League. They're playing Malta and whoever the freak in Euro qualifying. Well, listen, they have the Euros. We're playing in Copa America next summer. And after what I just saw from this team, under the interim to the interim, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry. If I ever doubted you, B.J. Callahan, if you want, if you want B.J. Callahan, you can be the coach. Greg Burhalter can be your assistant. I mean, I'm just kidding. I think I don't, I'm not sure if I'm kidding, because what we saw under B.J. Callahan was, you know, exceptional. But we have a real chance of playing teams like Argentina and Brazil and playing them tough, playing competitively and winning those games here in the U.S., because that's where Copa America is going to be next summer. Like you thought, the CONCACAF Nations League was wild, and apparently the Gold Cup, which starts on Saturday. I had no idea it started that soon, but we played Jamaica on Saturday. So that's starting. You think those are all wild? Copa America next summer is going to be insane because we actually have a chance of getting to the final and winning the thing. Because you know what? After what we just saw against Canada, we talk about the things that we make us so excited and inspired about the future of the U.S. team. The talent, the young talent, the most talent we've ever had for this U.S. men's national team. And we've had some really talented teams who have done damage on the world stage. The cohesion between this group, the tactics, knowing how to play together on the pitch, hanging out with each other, actually liking each other off the pitch. And then the missing pieces in the attack in the World Cup. We need a number nine. We have a number nine. We we just found a number nine, and he scored a great goal. You know, at this point in the midfield, we have to bench somebody. We had MMA in the World Cup who did amazing, Musa McKinney and Adams, but you have Gio Reyna who played. <laughs> He played in the Nations League and especially in this Canada game. He dyed that hair blonde. He was like, You know what? I need to prove that even though my parents are crazy, I belong on this team. And he absolutely did. Belong Proves that he might start. Like, you've got four guys in the midfield now Reyna, Adams, McKinney, and Musa, who all deserve to start. You've got depth. It's not just the starting 11 now. You're like, Who am I going to start? You just saw Joe Scally at right back perform wonderfully. Miles Robinson was great as a center back in the last game. Chris Richards has been great. Walker Zimmerman. Tim ream I don't care he's 36 years old. If he's 26, he'd be playing for Pep. And then the attack, which has come together. You see Wea on the right, Pulisic on the left, both who scored in the World Cup, and now Balogun, who, as I mentioned, did it in that Mexico game, is going to draw defenders towards himself and away from Pulisic, and away from Rea, Wea, because previously defenses only really had to focus on, you know, the wings, or one of those two, now they all three are dangerous threats. And so you're going to thin out the defense. If they want to focus on one, well, if they want to focus on Balogun, okay, then Christian Pulisic is going to go score, because he goes absolutely bananas for the U.S. men's national team. Well, if you want to focus on Pulisic, like Canada did, Oh, well, Balogun's just going to score an absolute banger. Oh, and you know what? If you want to focus on those two, well, then there's Tim Weah, the son of a president of Liberia. That man scored in the World Cup, too. Like, listen, y'all. All all the times I've been excited about the U.S. men's national team on the Zaner's Facts podcast, this level of excitement, I might not be showing it because it's late at night and I'm tired, But this level of excitement that I have and that we all should have as Americans and fans of soccer is at its highest level. We are the champions of CONCACAF. We are the kings of CONCACAF. That is undisputed. It's really not even close right now. We can prove that we are among the best in the Americas, maybe the best in the Americas. And remember, the World Cup champion is from the Americas in Copa America next year. And then, of course, we we keep talking about it, the World Cup is going to be here in three years. And with all that this team has, now, more than ever, more than two years ago, more than a year ago, more than two weeks ago, more than Thursday night, right now, Monday morning, is the most exciting time to ever be a soccer fan in America. And a fan of the U.S. men's national team, y'all. Not just winning, but winning in style and winning in absolute dominance. So, you know, that's my little spiel about that game against Canada, that dominant game against Canada, the Nations League. We've won three straight CONCACAF competitions. We can make it four. At the Gold Cup, obviously, just like two years ago, we're going to have a totally different roster. Matt Turner, Serginho Dest, I think are a couple of guys who are going to be there, but most of them, it's going to be an MLS heavy roster for the Gold Cup, which begins Saturday. Those games are on FS1 and Fox. We may see Mexico there again near the final. We may see Qatar because Qatar is in the Gold Cup. Remember that. We may see Canada again. But, you know, even if we win that, that's icing on the cake. Like, this is not, you know, a test for, once again, B.J. Callahan, I don't know why, because B.J. Callahan was Greg Berhalter's assistant. There's a theory out there that, like, B.J. Callahan and um, Hudson, Anthony Hudson, the interim manager before B.J. Callahan, they were probably communicating with Berhalter during those games, during those camps, because they were Berhalter's assistants, which may be true. Those are Berhalter's guys, I so I don't know why... Berhalter's not managing the Gold Cup, but whatever, and we'll probably talk about that on another podcast, Greg Berhalter, because the online reaction may not be so positive. But listen, y'all, Anthony Hudson and BJ Callahan especially, these are Greg's guys. Like, what all is really going to change, even though, you know, he doesn't appear to have the best relations with guys like Ricardo Pepe and giorena but he's got to get over it. And Copa America next year is going to be the ultimate test to see are we ready for the big time, for 2026, for the World Cup, all that stuff for the players and the manager, Greg Burhalter. That's all going to be tested next year. So, you know, to really say if Greg is the guy or not, we're probably going to have to wait until next summer. But, you know what, for now, we can just sit back and bask in the glory of winning trophies. Because that's all the United States men's national team tends to be doing recently. We got another chance for a fourth consecutive CONCACAF trophy in the Gold Cup, which starts Saturday, goes through July, and then we talk about our women in the Women's World Cup. And we're going to talk about that later on a future episode of Xander's Facts Podcast too, before that starts. On July 20th, because obviously they are trying to win, unprecedented in the men's or women's game, third consecutive Women's World Cup. And fifth overall, trying to get that fifth star. But you know what, y'all? It's late. I think I'm going to sign off. Just, you know, bask in it. U.S. 2, Canada 0. That's the final. CONCACAF Nations League winners again. The United States men's national team. I mean, how about that, y'all? So, before I wrap up this Instant Reaction podcast, remember, check out Xander's Facts on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, at Xander's Facts. Check out the Xander's Facts podcast. We got a new episode coming out on Wednesday, and Xander's Weekend Facts, which comes out every Sunday morning. Check all that out. Check out all, all the Xander's Facts stuff. And also, if you didn't listen to our Instant Reaction for the Mexico game, That podcast is also up from Friday morning. You should go check that out as well. But for now, I'm going to go to sleep. Happy dreams, of course. So thank you all so much for listening to the Sanders Facts Instant Reaction Podcast. Maybe we'll do it again for some more big-time U.S. men's national team matches. But this is Xander signing off. This has been Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts!